Welcome to Journey Church Podcast. It's great to have you with us. Here at Journey, we believe that Jesus should be accessible to anyone. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can have access to the weekend's worship experience. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at journeyorl.com or any social media platform using at journeyorl. We hope you enjoy the message. If you have a Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn to Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 2, as we get, as we get this uh, series started. Uh, I, I feel like I want to start here with this passage so that I can highlight why this series is going to be so important to you uh, and to me. If you were ever going to commit to come to church for one month, I think this is the month you need to come. I think the things that we're going to be teaching, the things that you're going to be learning are honestly life-changing. And uh, it's going to be, well, I don't want to spoil it. I'll get, I'll get into it. But this is why it's so important. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 2. We're reading out of the NIV. Now, before we get into Acts, I just want to make sure you have the background. You know that there are a couple books in the New Testament. The first five books, the first four books are collected. They're called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they tell the story of the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But in Acts, the, the story changes. It's still about Jesus, but now it's about the church living through Jesus. And so the church gets started in Acts, and the church starts with the Holy Spirit. If you open up the book of Acts in chapter 1, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. In chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes down. And so the Holy Spirit kind of starts this thing off. And so by the time we get to Acts chapter 19, we're already a couple of decades into the history of the church. This church that got started with this person of the Holy Spirit. And look what's happening, because it's funny. Acts chapter 19, verse 1 through 2, goes like this. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. That's where he met people and, you know, wrote the book of Ephesians in jail was to these people. There he found some disciples. Disciples, these are saved people. They're Christians, okay? They believe in Jesus. They're disciples. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Now, again, we are already two decades into Christianity, and there is an unawareness. People are still confused about who or what the Holy Spirit is. And honestly, it's 2,000 years later, but not much has changed. There are good people, people who love God, people who believe in Jesus, people who are going to heaven, but who are missing out because they're weirded out. And that might be you today. And now let me just tell if that's not you, if you've never heard the Holy Spirit, who he is or, or what he is before, that's awesome. You're like sitting in the perfect seat because you have no preconceived notions. Like, oh, that's great. I'm, I'm excited to, to, to work with you this morning. I wish we could all be like that. But unfortunately, there are some people who have met certain people in their life. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about or who have grown up in certain churches. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but they have some hesitation to this topic. Listen, not because of what they read in the Bible, but because of what they've experienced in your life. And if that's you right now, I just want to give you kind of a, a tip for your life. Never let your experiences determine your truth, but let your truth determine your experiences. That's so important because in my experience, anyone who has ever died has stayed dead. In my experience, I don't know if you've had a different experience. I'd love to have a conversation with you if you've had a different experience. But in my experience, 31 years on this earth, everyone who's ever died in my life has stayed dead. But if I'm going to base my truth on my experiences, then how am I ever going to engage with a book that is built on the premise that one man died 2,000 years ago and came back to life three days later? I can't let my experience determine my truth. I need to let truth determine my experiences. I can't let, and we live in a culture now 
that is allowing their old experiences, the cultural experiences, to create new truth instead of letting eternal truth lead us into new experiences. I'm speaking to someone here this, this morning who's been in a situation for a long time. You've been in a situation so long that you're starting to believe that you're always going to be in that situation, a mindset that you've been chained to for so long. And even though Jesus says you're free and, and who the sun sets free is free indeed, you're allowing your experience to shape the belief that you have freedom. And now you're saying, I'll never be free. My life will always be this way. I'll always have this struggle. Do not let your experience create your truth. But if Jesus came back to life, if he broke the pattern, if he says you're free, listen, you got to let the truth of Jesus's words lead you to a new experience of freedom. You got to just declare it and then live it. Before he died, he said, I'm going to die, but three days later, I'm going to come back to life. No one had ever experienced that before, but he spoke it and he believed it before he ever experienced it. So now you need to believe this word and let everything in this word lead you into new experiences. And so we're really going to get heavy into the word today um, because I got to teach you some things. And so normally I might do some you know, preaching and, uh, and, and what do I mean by preaching? I mean, I usually preach for application. I don't usually get deep like, like, like teaching status. Um, I can do that. I have the diplomas for that. But, but the goal of teaching is to make you smarter. And it was never my goal just to make you smarter or to see you get smarter. As a preacher, my hope has always been to see you get better, not just get smarter. But there are some truths in the Bible that once you learn them, they really do shape your life. And so there are some other truths that I want to kind of engage you with today. And the first truth that I want to engage you with today is the idea that there's more to this faith. Everybody say there's more. There's more. So I'm going to share a story really quickly that I heard Ruth Graham, the daughter of the late evangelist Billy Graham, share about 10 years ago. And it was cheesy then and it's cheesy now, but it's powerful. And I want to share it with you. And it's a story about a chainsaw. Babe, can you hand me that uh, chainsaw really quickly? Yes. Thank you so much. Appreciate you, my Vanna, my Vanna Brown. Love you. Um, story about a chainsaw. And so uh, <laughs> this is really, I just wanted to bring a chainsaw to church today. So after I share this story, you won't see this again. But it's great. So, so there's, this, there's, this, there's this young guy who's got a house. Okay, he's got this house and he's got this big tree in the back. And, uh, and it's a beautiful house and he loves it. But one day, a storm comes. A storm comes and it knocks this big old tree in the back of his yard down. And the tree is down in the yard and it's a wreck. And he looks to himself, he says to himself, he says, hey, I want to fix my house. I got to recover from the storm and I got to get rid of this tree. But it's too big, so I'm going to need something to cut down this tree. So he goes to Home Depot or Lowe's, whatever's your preference. It's not relevant to the story. He goes there and he asks the person behind the counter, he says, hey, I've got this big tree in my yard and I need something that is going to cut this tree down into little pieces. And the guy behind the counter says, boy, I have exactly what you need. He says, I've got the W-O-R-X 4000 G-05. <laughs> this is what you need. He says, this is going to cut through that tree like, like a knife through butter. He goes, awesome, perfect. So he takes the tree home. He takes the, 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 the chainsaw home, and he undoes the thing, and he, and, and he goes to work on that tree, man. He goes to work on it. Three days later, he comes back. He comes back to the man behind the counter, and he pulls a branch out of his back pocket, and he says, this junk doesn't work, and he throws it on the counter, and he says, I want my money back. And the guy behind the counter is like, sir, I'm so sorry. We've never had an issue with that brand of chainsaw before. Can I test it real quick just to make sure it works? He goes, no, absolutely not. I've been working in my yard for three days, for three days sweating, for three days busting my butt. And this branch, you see this branch? And he throws the, I'm just making that part up, but he, he throws the, I'm just, I like to make up, throws the branch in his eye. I don't know, maybe. 
Ruth didn't tell it like that, but I'm telling it like that. And he goes, and I, and I want my money back. He goes, absolutely, sir. I just, you know, I just need to test it so that we don't sell it again. And so he takes the chainsaw on the back. He connects the wire to the back of the chainsaw. And then he takes the wire and he plugs it in to the wall and he, and he messes with the nozzle and he, and he hits the button. And all of a sudden, you hear the chainsaw. And the man who wanted his money back asks a simple question. He says, what is that sound? He had been trying to use the chainsaw without the power on. He was there for three days talking about why is this thing so difficult? Why is this thing so hard? I don't understand. He said it cut through a knife through butter. And here's my deal with Christianity. I think a lot of us are like that. Something happens in our life. There's a storm that hits us and, and, and our home doesn't look the way it used to. And maybe someone invites us or, or maybe we, we hear about it on Facebook or maybe we grew up in church and it's been a couple years and we finally come back. And there's a man behind a pulpit with a microphone who says, I've got the thing for you, Jesus. And if you take him home, he can fix your problem. He can get rid of the garbage in your life. And you take him home. And you try him on three days, three weeks, three months, three years. But at some point, we all hit that wall where we say, hey, everything you told me about him, everything you told me he would do in my life, he's not doing. I don't see it. It's not working. I want my money back. And I want you to tell you right now, the Bible is not broken. Jesus is not broken. Could it be that you are just trying to use this thing called Christianity without the power on? Could it be that you're just, that it's perfectly fine, but if you don't make the connection, I'm trying not to be too Pentecostal right now, but if, if you know, but it is a spirit on all, it is a sermon series on the Holy Spirit, but if you don't make the connection, it's not going to work. That's my goal for you today, to try and make the connection today. That's what I want to do, to connect your Christianity because you've been feeling it. You've been a Christian for so long, and you can already tell, like, there's more. There has to be more to this, isn't there? There's more. There is. And I want to tell you what the more is today. Now, in order to explain to you who the Holy Spirit is, this third person in the Godhead, the Trinity, you have to first understand what the Trinity is. Now I'm really in trouble because now I have to explain to you the Trinity and the Holy Spirit Two of the greatest mysteries in all of Christianity, and I've got 25 minutes left in this message, all right? But I'm going to do my absolute best. I told you I was going to teach a little bit. I'm going to still make it practical, but you got to learn, you got to learn this thing, okay? Because if not here, where, okay? Hopefully small group. Hopefully you get into a small group. We do teaching there, but if not here, where? So who is, what is the Trinity? If you're new to church or if you're new to our church, we believe in the Trinity. That is that there is one God. There is one God. Everybody say there is one God. Okay, we believe there is one God, but there is one God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, the best way for me to explain the Trinity to you is not to get into the theology of it, but really explain the purpose of him. Uh, and, and it is built on this premise that God loves you. Say, God loves me. Now, if you understand God loves you, then you understand God the Father, okay? Because God the Father loves you. His whole purpose is to be in relationship with you. That is God's purpose. He loves you. Um, but if you understand God the Father, you understand why he loves you, but you don't see him. Uh, because he's working for you. What do I mean by that? I, I grew up, my dad had a, uh, we worked a lot. He had a, a job, kept him really busy. And I'll never forget one morning I woke up and I came to the fridge. I was getting ready to go to school and there was a post-it note on the fridge next to my, my homework assignments. And it was a note from my dad. And he said, JJ, I want you to know, I know you don't see me a lot, but the reason why you don't see me a lot is because I'm out working for you. And the food in this fridge is for you and I'm working for you. And I just want you to know that even though you don't see me, I love you. 
And I want you to know that that's God the Father. He's working for you. You don't see him, but he's providing for you. He's working in the background, putting things together for your benefit. And you got to know that he loves you even though you don't see him. He's sovereign. That means that he is behind the scenes, working it all out for your and my benefit. And I just need to say that because there's somebody here this morning who thinks that God has left you and abandoned you because you can't see him working in your life. But trust me, just because you can't see him doesn't mean that he's not there. He is working in your life. He is behind the scenes, orchestrating everything. He is in it, on it, and he is for you, okay? And so when we talk about God the Father, we have to understand this. God is for us. That is, that is our understanding of God the Father. He is for us. He is working for us. But the challenge with the idea of the father is he's a good father, which means he doesn't just provide for us, but he's also just, all right? When my kids get into a fight, they don't run to mom for the solution. She's not justice. She's the comforter. (laughs) They run to her for that. They run to me for justice. When there's a fight, they want me to mediate it because they know that I'll be just, right? That's the issue with us. We are those bad kids. We lie, we cheat, we steal, we fight. And because of God's justice, he wants a relationship with us, but we've got sin. Sin pulls us away from God. And so as much as he wants to be with us, he can't be with us because our sin and our bad choices pushes him away. Not him from us, we from him. When Adam and Eve sinned for the first time in Genesis, it wasn't God who went missing. God showed up where he always was. It was Adam and Eve who went hiding. That's what sin does, it sends you hiding. Okay, so it's not God that leaves us, but our sin causes us to leave God. And so now there's a problem. We've got a good God who's providing for us, but he's just, and now we've got sin, and now we can't have a relationship, even though he wants us to have a relationship because of the choices we make. Enter God the Son, Jesus. God knew that we can never make it to him, and so he did something that no other God in the history of religion has ever done. He came to us. He didn't, Christianity is not built, by the way, in case you're wondering, on how we can get to heaven. It's built on how heaven came to earth. It's built on the fact that in his grace, Jesus came down and he shared in our problems and he shared in our pain and he shared in our our persecution. And even though he was perfect, he shared in our punishment. Going back to the illustration of the two boys fighting and I'm justice. You know what each of my boys say when they come to me? Four words. It was his fault. Or he did it. (laughs) Always. And they'll each look at each other. He did it. No, he did it. No, he did it. Here's the beauty of Jesus. He came to earth. He stood before the Father. He said, I did it. That deserves an amen right there or a shout or a hallelujah. He came to earth and said, don't look at your brother. It wasn't his fault. It's I'll take his punishment. I'll take his blame. I did it. I did it, Dad. I did it. Give me the punishment. And that's what he did on the cross. He took that punishment. And now it's not God for us. It's Isaiah nailed the name on the dot. He said, well, there's going to come a redeemer. His name will be Emmanuel, which means God with us. So now it's not God for us. Now it's God with us, sharing our life, sharing our punishment, sharing our pain, which is amazing. Here's how this applies to your life, because now you have a God that can relate to you. What other God in the history of religion knows what it's like to be slapped? Jesus does. Who knows what it's like to be single for 30 years? Come on, single people. You got a God in heaven who knows what it's like to be single for 33 years. And if he did it, you can do it. He's like, I know it's hard. I was there. I did it. You have a God who is with you. But there's a problem even with the idea of Jesus. What? There's a problem with Jesus? There's a problem. What? He's got all this love. That's demonstrated to humanity, but but it's limited. Not limited in power, but limited in proximity. 
In other words, the only way you can experience God's love while Jesus was on earth was if you actually encountered Jesus. You had to be there with him. You had to know him or, or somewhere be in the area. And so God's got all this love that he wants to give to the world. You got Jesus on the cross. But the only way you can experience his love is if you experience Jesus. But Jesus is a man in bodily form. Ah, now enters the third person. All built on the idea that God wants a relationship with you, that God loves you. Here comes the third person in the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. Here's, here's John chapter 14, verse 15. We're going to read this. If you love me and obey my commands, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. That word advocate is parakletos. It also means comforter, friend, helper, who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you. Pause. When he says live with you, he's actually talking about himself. Jesus is saying, the Holy Spirit's in me, and you recognize the Holy Spirit because you recognize me. I'm with you now, but I'm leaving. And so he says, I'm with you now. The Holy Spirit's in me. I'm with you. But later, it's going to change. Look what he says. I'm with you now, but later, the Holy Spirit will be, say it with me, in you. There's the end game. Not just to be with you, but to be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon, the world will no longer see me because his body's leaving, but you will see me because his spirit's coming. Mm, that's good. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am, say with me, in you. The best way I can explain this concept is I have a friend who married a military man who she met on Facebook while he was serving in Iraq. Now, I am not pro or anti online dating. It works for some people. For other people, it's a train wreck. Pray about it, okay? But I will say that they met over the internet, and, and, and for a long time, their relationship was long distance and just through text. For a lot of us, our relationship starts, for humanity, that's how our relationship started with God. All they had was the Old Testament. It was a distance, a long distance relationship. God was in heaven communicating through text across the ocean. Well, he loved her so much, he actually finished his tour in Iraq, had opportunity for promotion, left it, and moved all the way across the Atlantic Ocean into Orlando so that he could be with her. Same thing that God did. He loved us so much, he didn't want the relationship to just live in text. And so he left heaven, crossed all the way the chasm of eternity, and moved to earth so that he could be... I just need to know you're tracking. I just need to know you're tracking. Because <laughs> I'm doing some teaching, and you're tracking. So that he could be with us. But it wasn't enough for, for, for this man to be with my friend. And it wasn't enough for God to be with us. After a couple more years of dating, they decided to get married. And on that honeymoon night, you know what the Bible says that happened? You call it intimacy, but the Bible has another word for it. It says two became one. It's the ultimate form of intimacy. This is the Holy Spirit's role in our life. Listen, it's not longer God for us. It's no longer God with us. It's him loving us so much that it became God in us. The Holy Spirit is God in you because he loves you and he wants to have a relationship with you that he sacrificed heaven to have the ultimate form of intimacy to be in you and know you and never leave you. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 3.16. You know John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he came with you. But here's 1 Corinthians 3.16. For God so loved the world, he came in you. 1 Corinthians 3.16, you do not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells, say it with me, 
in you. See, he was tired of living in tents, and he was tired of living in, in temples, and he was tired of living in all these beautiful palaces. When God decided to make his home on earth, he didn't choose uh, the Vatican with all of its gold ceilings. He didn't choose the Taj Mahal in all of its splendor. He didn't choose the White House in all of its power. He didn't choose the Sistine Chapel with all of its beauty. He chose you to be the temple in all of your brokenness, and all of your issues, and all of your situations, and all of your anger, and all of your hatred and jealousy and every ugly thing that was in you. He looked at you and he said, I want that to be my home. Forget the Taj Mahal. Forget the Vatican. I want her right there with all of her problems. I want to live in her. Isn't that beautiful? He chose you to live in. What does that mean? That means that you know, a lot of people say, man, I would have loved to live during Jesus times. No, you wouldn't have. I would love to live in Jesus times because then I would have been able to ask him all these questions. No, you wouldn't have. They didn't have toilet paper in Jesus' times. That's the worst. Well, you know, I would have just loved to live in Jesus' time to ask him some questions. Like what? Like aliens? Like what do you want? I don't understand. What do you want? You want to hang out with them? Yeah. Listen, you can do that now. This is the best time to live. If you were born in Jesus' time to spend any time with Jesus, first off, you would have had to been born in the Middle East, A. You would have had to been born in that geographic location, okay? B, even if you were born in the Middle East and you happened, you would have had to figure out where Jesus was because he was always on the move and there was no Twitter back then to be like, yo, meet me up at the, you know, it wasn't there. So you have no idea where he's going, okay? That's B. C, I don't know how many letters I got. I'm just gonna go with this. C, even if you ended up in the same place, you would have had to fight through the crowds. The Bible says sometimes the crowds were as large as 5,000 people. Could you imagine trying to break through 5,000 people? No, Jesus! No, I came from a long way. Yeah! Talk to me about aliens. I got a question. 5,000 people, nobody's hearing you. Even if you could get past the 5,000 people, you would have had to get through his secret service. I didn't know Jesus had secret service. Oh, yeah, 12 of them. They were called the disciples. They were so bad that they would, they would, they would call the cops on kids. True story. The, the Bible says that little kids would try to get to Jesus. And they'd be like, Paul, he'd be like, oh, we got a bogey. We got a bogey right here. We got a little kid trying to get to Jesus. And then they would, they would pounce on the kid and be like, Charlie, you can't come. And Jesus had to rebuke them one time. He's like, hey. He said this in the scripture. He said, let the little children come to me. What do you think you're doing? It's so opposite of Jesus. Everybody who's quote, unquote, important now sets up walls so you can't get to them. He's so important, he made a way. You know what I'm saying? Like, Wow. Not even his family could get to him. One time the Secret Service stopped his mom. This is in your Bible. It's hilarious. The James, John goes up to Jesus. He says, he says, hey, Jesus, we got a woman outside. She says she's your mom. <laughs> she wants to come in. What, 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 do you, what do you say? What do you say? Like, you would have had to get past them. And even if you'd gotten past them, because he was in a human body, you would have had to catch him when he was awake. But not now. Now, because God lives in you, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, no matter what time of the day, you have 100% complete access to God. This is the best time to be alive. You don't got to wait in line. You don't got to get a number. You don't got to make an appointment. You are just two knees away. You are just one prayer away from having unfettered, unblocked access to Jesus. That's why, that's why we call this service, the sermon series, Living in the Third Person. Because we want you to know that it's not just an experience. That you actually can live in him and have a relationship with him. Because I grew up under the idea that the Holy Spirit was this, like, they would, they would talk about him like if he was gasoline in a gas tank. And you're the vehicle. Like, oh, you're running low? 
They get filled. It's Holy Spirit. You got to get filled. You got to get pumped up. I lay my hands on you. You get pumped up. And, and the longer I'm a Christian, I've understood that Jesus is less like the gasoline I put in my car and more like the air that I breathe in my lungs. I don't need him for a moment. I need him every single waking second of my life. I need him in the morning. I need him in the afternoon. I need him in, at dinner time. I need him all the time because he helps me and he leads me and he guides me. I have access. You have access to God, y'all. <sighs> to God. How, how long would it take for you to get an appointment with the president of the United States? probably a couple years, if ever, you have access to the creator of the universe. This is the stuff I'm telling you that we don't know, that we live, because we think that, that, that we have to, we can only have access to the Holy Spirit on a Sunday. Nope, you have access to him all the time. How many times have you ever said the sentence on a Sunday morning? Ooh, I felt the spirit on that one. You know what I'm saying? The song is really good, and we're like, ooh, the spirit was all over that song. Mm, that was good. Amen. I get what you mean. But you know what? The Holy Spirit doesn't just want to be limited to a three-minute song. You know what I think God would love to hear you say? Well, you're at Walmart, and you put your blinker on, and you're waiting for that guy to pull out, and everybody in that parking lot sees that you got your blinker on, and that one guy looks at you, and he wraps around your car, and he jumps in that spot before you, and you had your blinker on. I think God wants you to say, mm, I felt the Spirit on that one, too. <laughs> I'm just saying, because the Holy Spirit isn't about goosebumps. The fruit of the Spirit is not about goosebumps. I kiss my wife sometimes, and I get goosebumps. I listen to Bruno Mars, and I get goosebumps. It's not about goosebumps. It's not about the way you feel. You know what the fruit of the Spirit is? Love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Ooh, I felt the Spirit on that. You get in an argument with your kid. Ooh, I felt the Spirit. You get fired from your job. Ooh, I felt the Spirit. You get into a car accident. Ooh, I felt the Spirit. You got to be able to carry him everywhere you go so that he can carry you no matter what you face. Everywhere. You have access. You have access. There's no way I'm getting through my notes today. That's why you got to come back. You're not alone. You have access. Not only do you have access, you're understood. Everybody say, I'm understood. I know that sounds weak and simple and cheesy, but it's so powerful. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says this. I told you we were going to go into the Bible today because I need you to learn this. This is in Scripture. Romans 8, 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans, and he who searches our heart knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance, in accordance, in accordance with the will of God. Raise your hands if you've ever said these words, I don't know what's wrong with me. Yes, come on, I'm waiting for every hand in this building right now. I don't know what's wrong with me. Come on, have you ever sat in front of a mirror? Something's going on funky inside of you. Someone who really loves you says, hey, man, what's wrong? You're like, I don't even know what's wrong with me. You know who does? The Spirit of God. He knows what's wrong with you even when you don't know what's wrong with you. One of the most frustrating moments that I ever have in my marriage with my wife is when I spend 10 minutes to, to share a two-minute story because she don't get it. And I get upset because I'm like, we've been together for 10 years. How is it possible that you don't understand what I'm saying right now? And I'm not that way with everyone, but I'm like that way with her because I expect it because we've been together so long, but I'm expecting someone, something from someone who's just living with me. It's different when they don't live with you, but they live in you. So he, he knows what's going on with you even when you don't know what's going on. Same with her. She gets mad at me because I'm like, babe, what's wrong? And she's like, I don't know. 
but I feel like you should know. <laughs> I'm like, oh no, uh-uh, I'm not a mind reader. I am not the Holy Ghost. I have no way of knowing what's going on inside of you. Listen, and here's the beautiful thing, is that you don't have to know what you need. All you need to know is the one who knows what you need. And when he's in you, he brings all the things that you need so that he's praying for things that you don't even know you need. And he prays in accordance to God's will because he knows what you need even when you don't know what you need. Give you make it real practical. Sometimes we get on our knees and we start crying and we pray to the Lord, God, I need a promotion. I need a promotion. I need a promotion. Four months, five months, six months. God, I need a promotion. And God's not sending you the promotion because you're praying, God, I need the promotion. But the Holy Spirit inside of you, he knows what you really need. He knows that what you need isn't a promotion. What you need is patience. And so you're saying, God, give me a promotion. But the Holy Spirit is like, scratch that. What he really needs is patience. And so, and so we cry and we weep and, and we lay it out to God. That's why people say, you know, you got to be careful about the way you pray. I get that. But, 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 I, but I'm also going to trust that the spirit inside of me is going to compensate because he knows. I'm a human. I can only pray for what I know to pray for. But I have confidence that he's in me and he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna communicate, communicate for me. Now, listen, he doesn't just communicate for you. He also communicates to you. I have access. I'm understood. And I can hear God. That's good. Someone say, I can hear him. And that's not weird. It's weird to not hear from him. I don't understand some Christians today. It's totally cool for you to talk to God. That's normal. It's only weird when he talks back. That's not how communication works. It's two ways. Now, I know why you would think that's weird. Because you met that person who always hears God. That's 10 minutes in the McDonald's line. No, I just don't know. God, do I need a double with mustard? Or do I hold the pickles? <laughs> I've met that person too. I remember as the youth pastor, we just renovated our, our youth building. And uh, I painted it. I, I didn't paint it, but I, I picked the color. I wanted it to be gray and black because... You know, it's, a, it's like a production room. Like, we're going to do dramas in it. And if you've ever had any experience with dramas, you know, you need dark colors, like black and all that stuff. And so I painted it gray and black. And I was standing there so proud of, of, of what we were building. We weren't even, we didn't even have a building for a while. It was just kind of meeting in a roller rink. It was crazy. And so we finally get the building. And, and this one guy comes up. He works for the church. He came up to me. He goes, looks at the room, gray and black. And he goes, you shouldn't have painted this gray. I'm like, how come? He said, God doesn't want you to paint this gray. It's like, why not? He said, I swear to you, I'm not even going to say, he says, gray is the color of the devil. <laughs> and black, he said, black is the color of darkness. He said, you can't, you missed God on this. He said, God told me, I swear to you, he said, God told me, <laughs> you should have painted it beige. <laughs> I was like, well, uh, maybe God should to tell me that too <laughs> because I got news for you. It don't work like that no more. In the Old Testament, you needed a mediator to get between you and God. But today, I got God living inside of me. So if he got a message from me, he can tell me himself. That's for every girl who's ever had a dude come up to her and say, God said you're the one for me. You need to look that boy in the eye right now and say, well, he better CC me on that email. <laughs> 
Because I don't need an interpreter. I got him living right on the inside. If he wants to tell me who to marry, where to go, he knows where I'm at. He's living in my heart. I don't need the prophet. I got the spirit of prophecy living in me. I can't hear from him. Well, how do, you, how do I know if it's God? And, and now listen, God will tell you to do some weird things, though, sometimes. That's just true. That's why we call it supernatural, because it ain't natural. My wife had an experience like that one time. Honduras, El Salvador. El Salvador, she's, she's in her mission trip. She's praying for this one girl, or, or in the Holy Spirit, quickens in her heart and says, you need to come into this girl, you need to pray for her, and you need to tell her that God saw her get sexually abused as a child. And that he still loves her, and that he still loves her, and that he's still with her. She told me she wrestled with that for so long. Working at the service is almost closing. She's like, I can't say that to that girl. What if I'm wrong? How offensive is that? Maybe she'll take that for the way I saw her dress. She finds the boldness. She goes up. She gets an interpreter because we're only Hispanic <laughs> by last name. Okay. And so she gets an interpreter and she begins to, and she, goes, she goes, God told me to tell you that he saw when you were abused as a child and that he still loves you. The girl drops to her knees and cries right there. God was in that moment, healing her, redeeming her. Well, how do I know if it's God or how do I know if it's just me? Here's my question. How much time do you spend in this book? Because when you read his words, you learn to recognize his voice. I remember the first time I ever called a girl I had a crush on. Her name was Allison. I called her on the phone. We were at my friend's house. They had her number. So I was like, they were like, you want to call her and tell her you like her? That's how we do when we're in the fourth grade. So I was like, sure, whatever. So he picked the phone and he dials the number. Ring, gives me the phone. I'm like, hello? She's like, yes. I'm like, is this Allison? She goes, yes. I go, awesome. She goes, who's this? I go, it's me. <laughs> That's it? No explanation? No, no context? Just, it's me. It's the first time I ever talked to a girl on the phone. I had no idea that I, she wouldn't recognize me. It's me. And then, and then she said, Nothing. I ran because she said, who's me? I said, oh, I lost this date. It's already gone. I didn't spend enough time with her for her to recognize my voice. But if my wife calls me on the phone, I don't, with, with or without call ID, the moment she says, hey, I'll go, oh, what's up, babe? Because I spent enough time with her to recognize her voice. How much time do you spend with him? Because then you can learn to recognize his voice. I got to give you this last one and I got to give it to you quick. The Holy Spirit is not just God in you. He's also God on you. I could give you the Bible verses, y'all, but if I give you all the Bible verses, we're not going to have enough time. And so, well, I'll give them to you. I'm just going to throw them on the screen and you're going to write them down because you want to learn more. Email me if you need more explanation. John 20, verses 21 through 22 is an example of the Holy Spirit in you. Jesus dies on the cross, comes back to life, breathes on the disciples, and the Bible says that the Holy Spirit fills them, comes in them. Why is the Holy Spirit in them after the cross, but not before the cross? Because remember, sin was in the way. So now that Jesus dies and comes back to life, now sin is out of the way. Now the bridge has been built. And so now he goes, Holy Spirit in. That could not happen until the cross. Now the Holy Spirit's living in the disciples. But even though he's living in them, he still has not come on them. Acts chapter 1, 4. 
on one occasion while he was with Ethan. Now remember, Acts comes after John. So this is after the, the, the breathing, receiving of the Holy Spirit. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now the key word here is baptized. In the Greek it means immerso. What's the difference between immerso and filled? The difference is if I fill a cup with water, the water's in the cup. But if I take that cup and I throw it in the ocean, that cup becomes completely immersed in the water. And now the water is just not in the cup, the water is on the cup. What's the difference? Control. I can be filled and have control. But when I'm, when I'm immersed, I'm at, the, I'm at the mercy of the current. The difference between being filled with the Holy Spirit, having the Holy Spirit in you, or having the Holy Spirit on you is how much control you surrender to him. And so many Christians are living their life with Jesus in their heart, but them in control. And there's another level. There's another experience when you go, okay, Jesus, I've done this by myself for long enough. Thank you for saving me. But this isn't just about me going to heaven. This is about the things you have for me on earth. And so I'm going to give you control. Holy Spirit, have your way. And then he comes on you. And so I won't give you the verses, but in Acts chapter 2, the disciples are praying. And, and the Bible says that tongues of fire come on them. Jesus was born through the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that the seed was the seed of the Holy Spirit, always had the Holy Spirit on him. But in John chapter one, he gets baptized. And when he gets baptized, the Bible says that there was a dove who flew and came in him or on him? On him. And then John said, this is the one who will baptize in the Holy Spirit. Here's the difference between in and on. Two things, we'll make the connection, then we'll wrap it up. One, when the Holy Spirit comes in you and the Holy Spirit comes on you, there's evidence when he comes on you. Question, what did I have for breakfast? Guess. Oatmeal, wrong. I didn't have breakfast, trick question. Second question, what do I have on my face? You can't see what's in you, but everyone can see what's on you. You can have the Holy Spirit living in your life and nobody will notice. But when the Holy Spirit comes on your life, and you meet someone who's got the Holy Spirit on them, you go, something about that guy. The way he smiled, the way he shook my hand. Something about that woman. The way she laughed. The way she encouraged me. I felt that. On them. Why? The only other connection that I can see when the Holy Spirit comes on Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes on the disciples is this. The moment the Holy Spirit came on them, they immediately went into ministry mode. They immediately went into helping others make their lives better. Here's why I wrap it all together. The Holy Spirit is in you for your sake, but he comes on you for the sake of others. I don't have that slide, <laughs> but you need to write that down. The Holy Spirit comes in you for your sake so you can be better, so that you can have peace, so that you can have joy. But he comes on you so that you can bring joy and peace to those around you. sure I was saved. But one day I went to a youth camp and the preacher asked, who wants the Holy Spirit to come on them? Well, I didn't want that because I had a bad experience. I used to see people in church who would speak in tongues and then right when they were finished, they'd go outside and start cursing. And I would tell myself, that's fake and I don't want that. 
I remember one time at a service, the Holy Spirit came on somebody. He started jumping and spinning. He had glasses on his Gucci glasses. And when he was, he was moving so quick, the glasses fell down. He stopped what he was doing. Put the glasses on his face and went right back to it. I'm looking at the thinking, I remember somebody praying for me saying, oh, the Holy Spirit to come on you. And they were literally trying to like tackle me to the ground. And it was like a wrestling match. I was like, I will not. And they were like, in the name of Jesus. I'm like, no, that's weird. And this is obviously not God. This is obviously you. I had all these terrible experiences. I didn't want nothing to do with it. But I remember saying, okay, God, if you want to do something in my life, then you're going to do it. I don't want anybody to pray for me. I don't want anybody to lay their hands on me. I don't want nobody to shout. You got to do it because I'm having trouble believing in all this. And the preacher came. He did put his hand on me, but he put his hand on my shoulder. And I, he said, do you want all that God has for you? I said, yeah, I want all that God has for you. Put his hand on my shoulder. It doesn't happen like this for everybody. It happened like this for me. God gave me a beautiful prayer language. I felt power come on me. And I'll tell you what the biggest change was. The very next day, when the conference was over, I went back to school and I started to share my faith with everybody I knew. All my friends started getting saved, coming to church with me. I started preaching the God. There was a boldness that came on me. It was like, it wasn't enough to be a Christian anymore. It was like my life for the first time had purpose. But that's not a good way of saying it because I felt like I always knew I had purpose. It was like my life for the first time had power. It was like my life for the first time had power and I could actually do something about the environment. I would pray and I wouldn't feel like I was hitting a wall anymore. I actually felt like heaven was moving, like there were cogs in heaven that were shifting with every word that came out of my mouth when I invited the Spirit to come on me. I want to give you that opportunity. Today, we don't have to make it long. I'm not going to go out there. I'm not going to pray for anybody. I'm just, if, if give God a chance. If it's nothing, it's nothing. But if you think that there's more, why not ask him for it? So first things first, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, you got to get rid of the blockage so that God can live inside of you. And if there's maybe sin in your life, some bad choices that you've made, maybe you've never come to church before, this is your first time, awesome. You're hearing everything for the first time, awesome. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room and you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, I want to count to three. And you want the son to eliminate the sin to eliminate the bad choices, to give you a fresh start. On three, shoot your right hand up to the sky. If that's you, one, two, you need Jesus in you. Ready? Three, because God wants to live in you. Come on, I see that hand. Come on, I see it. He's never going to be the same again. I see that hand. I see it. I see it. I see it. Put your hand down. Church, help me pray this prayer. Dear God, I know that you were for me. And I know 2,000 years ago, you came to be with me. But today, I invite you to live in me. Make my heart your home. I want access. I want to be understood. And I want to hear you every day of my life. Forgive me for my sins. I start fresh today. Come on, I saw five different hands. Yeah. Five different hands in my life of Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by this message. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. If you would like to share your testimony or if you have any prayer requests, please email us amen at journeyorl.com where we'll have a team of people ready to celebrate with you and pray with you. 
Also, if you would like to help support the ministry of Journey Church in a financial way, you can do so by visiting journeyorl.com and choosing the giving option. Or text journeyorl to 77977. We hope you'll join us again soon. Have a great week.